With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Sex trying to get loose. He'll fire. Garland upstairs. Oh! Sexton inside! A thunderous dunk! And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media family. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. The Cleveland Cavaliers are on a three-game winning streak. Things are feeling good once again. And with me today to talk about it all is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how you doing, buddy? I was doing a lot better until I listened to our sister uh, podcast, Wine and Gold Radio, with Joe, Rafa, and uh, John Michael, and they're sip- sipping wine. They're they're drinking on the job, <laughs> drinking that new Cavs cab. That you know, I'm wondering when that comes for us. You know, when when does the local or you know, when do our affiliate wineries you know hook up the Chase Down Pot? I thought we were part of the family now. Look, man, I'm always battling slurring, even on a good day. It's just, I I don't know if I want to introduce the wine to that whole experience. And uh, shipping across a border, I feel like all of a sudden creates more issues. I'm not super worried about you. Okay, fair enough. Anyways, I I don't want you getting all reckless. I I need you to be sharp here. I need you to keep me in line, because otherwise, we're, we're just going to go off a cliff here. Well, naturally. Well, I, you know, uh, I just, you know, I had some professional jealousy. That's all. And uh, uh, very, very big shout out to uh, the Wine and Gold Radio crew who gave us a very, very warm welcome uh, at the end of the week with a little get to know you call. But uh, they they certainly withheld that information. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, no no kidding. And you know what? I'm glad that you mentioned that because, man, have we been uh, welcomed into the whole Cavs family pretty well. And it, it was just so great to catch up with those guys. But Let's not be too self-indulgent here. Let's talk about what I would argue is the best win that we've seen from the young core. Um, When the Cats have pulled off big wins in the past, veterans have been a heavy, heavy part of that mix. And to see a starting lineup featuring four guys that are 22 years old or younger beat the Sixers and actually outplay them. Like there was nothing in that game that felt unsustainable from the Cavs perspective. If anything, I felt like they could have played a little bit better. Obviously that wasn't Philly's best effort, but the the fact that they managed to battle through tough stretches and, and do it without a Larry Nance or a Kevin Love or Andre Drummond kind of um, raising the floor for them was just mind boggling to me. Yeah, it was a super, super fun game. I wouldn't say, you know, there's nothing to couch. I will say, I think the Sixers were asleep at in the first half, just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And that third quarter was them waking the hell up. And sure, Darius got cold, but also they, they locked in on defense. And there's a reason the Cavs only scored 36 points in the third and fourth quarters combined, because this is a really, really, really good team. And mm-hmm. that made the fun, oh, and, the, and, the, and that made bu- the win more fun to me, is the fact that, you know, it was like, uh, you know, in, in the Rocky movies, you know, the, the Russians cut a moment in the first half. And then, you know, in every Rocky movie, there's the good Rocky round that no one was looking forward to. And then the next round, he just gets the, sh- the shit kicked out of him. <laughs> like, 
that's what the third quarter was to me. And the Cavs just kept hanging in and fighting. And that was really, really fun. So I, I actually thought the second half was in a weird way, more fun than the first half. Cause it was like, Oh, they're here and they're ready to, the, they want to in this, they wanted to put the Cavs out of their misery mm-hmm. uh, and the Cavs wouldn't let him now that, that made it really, really fun. Yeah, what what I meant by that was it wasn't like the Cavs just had this crazy barrage of threes or or something that that's kind of one of the the flukes that can happen throughout an NBA season. Obviously, that was not the best effort from the Sixers. Missing Tobias Harris is huge. That he's been great this season, giving them twenty points per game, um, and the, it just wasn't their best effort. And Embiid got banged up a little early on. But the the fact that, as you mentioned, Garland goes on that zero for ten stretch and continues to be assertive that's something that we never would have seen from him and and coming up clutch in the end that that was great isaac okoro all the the young guys game of his career oh best game of his career easily um battling through tough calls like there were a lot of calls that didn't go their way especially down the stretch uh seth curry drawing that three on garland uh whatever the the three that didn't end up mattering i was ready to be absolutely obnoxious on social media <laughs> it, it was oh man it was so frustrating but you know what like i'm i'm really impressed by this because this three game winning streak as i mentioned it's coming without any of the veterans there um obviously they're still really thin i i think you you see that more uh when they go to their bench lineup and basically just ask Colin to hey try to keep this thing afloat i know you haven't played with these guys but just speaking go of, speaking of the bench unit by the way dotson had a really really nice playmaking game Mm-hmm. Oh, did, did want to absolutely. throw that out there because he he had been a little adrift at sea, I think, as of late. And you know, Jetty Jetty was out, so Dodson was back in the rotation proper, and I thought he played great. I, I think that's a good note. Um, th- there was a stretch, I, I believe, in the third quarter where he had just hit a shot that it was a tough shot, but I was starting to feel like, okay, I feel like the floor is going to fall out. Uh, very soon with Dotson, like his decision making was getting just a little bit worse. And, and that's when they kind of went back to the starting unit. And I, I thought that that was perfect timing. But um, yeah, really, really impressive win. Um, it's just another example of how long these seasons are, like the feeling right now compared to the 10 game losing streak. It's night and day. Yeah, I mean, three games in a row will get you that. And that's kind of been what's kind of fun about this season is, uh, you know, and I want to be clear that if anyone who's not a Cavs fan is listening to this, who hasn't been watching every game the last couple seasons, you might scoff at this, but the Cavs have had three, three game winning streaks this season. Mm -hmm. And like, that's what I felt was so so brutal is like, it was really, you know, when when you're, when you're really early in the rebuilding phase, you're really just winning here and there every now and again, because well, you know, someone just didn't show up on a given night. And the fact that the Cavs are, Sure, they had a 10 game losing streak and that stinks, but they're also stringing wins together when things are going right and when things are clicking. Mm-hmm. And that is the kind of, those are the kind of stretches that build confidence and build your stomach for when things get tough again. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And right now we kind of have the inverse of what was going on in the losing streak in that during the losing streak, I, I think there were so many different ways or directions you could point blame, right? Like there were people jumping on Kobe Altman, JB Bickerstaff, in, individual players. Andre Drummond got his share of the blame until he wasn't in the mix and could and no it longer didn't get be better. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, I now find that you, I've got this nice variety, this assortment of chickens and eggs that you can choose from for whatever has caused this turnaround. I mean, Dean Wade going into the starting lineup, 
has had a huge impact. The team has been attempting more threes. That was a point of emphasis going into the Nuggets game where all of a sudden Colin Sexton says, I'm going to take six to seven threes a game. He's taken over six threes. I, I think it's a uh, 6.4. Um, Darius Garland also taking more threes, attempting over six threes per game. He's being more assertive in general. Dylan Windler and Isaac Okoro playing really well. Like o- Okoro has started to become more consistent and Windler is getting more confident. And then of course, Jared Allen is playing out of his mind. There, there's a lot of things that are trending in the right direction. And I'm not saying that this is going to lead to all of a sudden this big playoff surge or whatever the case may be, but this is what we've talked about where the, those losses, you can either react to them poorly or you can use them as fuel moving forward and make adjustments. And I I really feel like that's a lot of what we're seeing right now from this team. Now, I will say that you say that you're, you're hedging here. You're saying, I don't think they're, I'm not saying they're going to make a playoff run. I will note, Last night, 9.51 p.m., I received a message from Justin Rowan that said, four games back of home court in the playoffs, baby. I also tweeted it. I also tweeted it as a point. Good for you. I, 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 um... I, I was actually going to tell you to tweet it. I didn't notice it. Uh, yeah, I mean, the chicken or the egg thing is, is an interesting thing. You know, on, on one hand, yes, they're, they're teams that uh, are a little more beatable. You know, the, the Hawks have been a, an up-and-down team and kind of, you know, Maybe things feel a little different if they don't play Olay at the end of the game. I don't think I would feel that different, but mm-hmm. I mean, obviously three games feels better than two games. Um, I do think this has been a real, real case for positional basketball. You know, there has been so much made of like, you know, the power forward position is really just either you're either, uh, yeah, it's just big threes at this point, you know? Yeah. Or, uh, and, and then otherwise you're just a small five. Uh, this has been a real case for the power forward position because Dean Wade is, is nothing special talent wise. I think he'd probably tell you he's not like an elite talent at mm-hmm. the NBA level, but he is a power forward, damn it. And power <laughs> forwards are something that this team just hasn't had for like, I, I don't know exactly when Larry got hurt. It feels like months. I know that's not true, but it feels like it. And uh, when you have that power forward, the floor just feels better. Uh, the roles click in, and it's just a real case for, like, positionless basketball is nice, but only if things are going just right. Only if you have just the right mix of talent. Like, not everyone can play uh, with a bunch of wings at the four position and just be fine. Well, th- they don't have the, the personnel to play positionless, uh, positionless basketball, I, I think is the, the right way to read this, because when you're starting two guards that are, are 6-1 uh, without shoes on, uh, yeah, you, you need to have a power forward there. And we had talked about how once Nance got hurt, cycling in Jetty Osmond, Torian Prince, like there, there were guys that would bring certain things to the table, but they were taking more off the table than they were bringing to it just because this team needed a traditional power forward. And um, <laughs> the Cavs defensive rating with Dean Wade on the floor uh, over this five game stretch is 100.7. The man, yeah. it, it's it's stabilizing things, right? And, and I'll tell you what, he I, I remember I said this early in the season. I actually like him on defense a lot. I think his feet move, I think he chops his feet really, really well. Um, he does not foul. Mm-hmm. Uh and he he closes out hard. I've been really, really pleased with him. He had 12 boards last night. I did not realize he had 12 boards. Yeah. Um he did he's playing really, really good and I felt all season like his box score hasn't really matched what I'm seeing with the mm-hmm. with the the ye old eye test, um, but 
uh, yeah, I mean, he just makes everyone make sense on the roster. And and that's really, really valuable. Mm-hmm. And it goes towards that proof of concept that we talked about uh, earlier uh, last week, which was, yeah, once we, we know that once there is a power forward out there, this team is going to start making more sense. And I, I definitely think that Dean Wade had earned his contract becoming fully guaranteed. He, he is now part of the Cavs. And uh, he's shown enough interesting things to to keep him around, in my opinion. And the other guy that falls into that category is Lamar Stevens. Like when when you look at who the Cavs have brought in, basically after Garland and, and Sexton, it's all been defense, right? Like guys that can impact that end of the floor and and kind of provide some coverage for those guys as they figure things out. I think they've been pretty good uh, defensively, all things considered, uh, with their stature and whatnot, but it requires adjustments to the personnel. You have to have the right guys in the front court to make that work. And having Lamar Stevens recently where, yeah, he he may not have kind of the same offensive upside as an Isaac Okoro, but he, man, he really gets in there uh, defensively and and makes a a big impact in a lot of these games. Well, when you're 6'6", 6'7", instead of 6'4", 6'5", I think you really do feel him on the bigger wings and the, in the, in Are you the, doing the negative height watch on, on Okoro? Is that what's a going little on here? bit? I think he's six four and a half. I'll die on this hill. Um, hey, hasn't he already been measured at six five barefoot? I'm I'm not going to stand for this just I'm because just he saying, just well, because I'll, he gets so, down. So hold up, hold. <laughs> excuse me, Justin. Do you think that on at, at Team USA that they they measured him and he hit six five on the on the line exact? He is exactly six five. No, they round the numbers, Justin. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's six four and two thirds. I, I think you're anti-American. I think that's what's I'm going not. On here. I'm saying that you know when you're playing against a Ben Simmons type who is six nine six ten, like you feel Lamar out there, and when you mm-hmm. got them both out there, it's really really great. Um, because I'll tell you what, they chased around the smaller guys really really well in this game. Yeah. Uh, there's a reason Steph Curry or Seth Curry, sorry, hadn't shot such a terrible percentage in this game is because the Cavs were all over him. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, he's Seth Curry. He normally makes more than that, but they were on him like white on rice. So I, I thought Garland did a really good job yeah. on him. Like that, there was a one lot of his of best. I think there was some evidence to show that Garland is the kind of guy who you can throw on a shooter and he mm-hmm. can track him okay. Um, yeah. But, I, you know, to the Lamar point, like, sure, I, I do think that there is a ceiling on a guy like that unless he can kind of shoot threes. Mm-hmm. And he can't kind of shoot threes right now, but I'm not worried about that right now. I think, you know what you, you talking about uh, the, the Dean Wades and the Lamar Stevens of the world. It kind of makes me think about, you know, when we were talking about what was going wrong on the, you know, the losing streak pod and I was like, well, you know, they're even their end of bench guys are also children. Mm-hmm. 22, 23, 24, Dean Wade's 24. I think uh, Lamar Stevens is 23. Um, you know, this is kind of the opposite side of that, where it's like, if these guys can help, then it's really fun because your into bench guys are also people who you can kind of root for and see some development in just with the rest of your team. So that's been a really, really fun development these last three games. It's just kids everywhere and the, and the kids are all right, it turns out. Yeah, no kidding. And, you know, Dylan Windler, like he's made a few moves in these games where it's like, Okay, that is a confidence ass move. Right? Like um the hesitation dribbles, uh finishing with his right hand, um just the the three-pointers he has attempted like this is a different Dylan Windler and one that's useful because we, well, we had... I 
you know, you mentioned this. Uh, I was, uh, you know, I joked about the uh, the wine and gold radio wine wine segment, but I, mm-hmm. I was listening to that, and Austin Carr was a guest on that one, and he referenced that Wendler sped up his release, and I definitely think he's right. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, the, he's getting the ball way quicker than he was at the beginning of the season, and that's allowing him to take these more audacious threes. Mm-hmm. No, I I think that's a really good observation, and. Um, like it's needed, right? Because that is something that you got with Jetty Osmond, where he is willing to take those shots. But I, I think Windler is going to be a better shooter than Osmond. Like yeah. uh, Osmond was someone that came in that has worked his way into being like a league average volume shooter, which is really impressive considering where he started from. Windler's coming in as a guy that I mean that he's been That's a sniper. Threat. Yeah, he's been a sniper at every stage. He's tall. He's got a really long wingspan, so he can get that high release off. Left-handed, so he's even more difficult to guard. Um, Having him kind of step up in the way that he has at the same time as Okoro is super encouraging because we know the, the three with Garland, Sexton, and Allen there's kind of a higher baseline there. Like they make sense together. Uh, There's a lot of reasons to be encouraged about that as a young core, but having these other guys kind of step up and prove themselves, it it just, it it gives you more options. It gives you a little more flexibility. It has less of the team's um, rebuild or retooling, whatever you want to call it is reliant on those three players. And that's a, a really nice place to be in. Yeah, ultimately, you just want you want your kids to be able to help, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I feel like they're finding, you know, this is the thing where we've talked about when they look good early in the seasons because the kids had all this veteran support that was uh, at the role player level in the Larry Nances and, the and you know, Andre was obviously being featured much more at that time. But, you know, like or even when Torian Prince got here is, you know, that 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 consistently consistency raises your floor when you're getting it from your first round picks who are in, in uh, Okoro's case, just 20 years old. That's, I mean, that's the dream, right? Mm-hmm. This is, you know, this is the team that you, we want to see. So I'm not trying to overreact because this team still has the worst point differential in the league. Yep. Just came off a, a, about as hellish of a 10 game stretch as you can find, even accounting for strength of competition. I mean, losing 10 games in a row by 20 points pieces. Yeah, that's that's an unheard of kind of thing. But yeah, you, you'd hope you that you'd be able to steal one yeah, in there, right? Yeah, and, and, or at least compete in uh, a few. But like you know, we've contextualized that already. And the fact that things, what what's so fun about this three game stretch to me, is that the circumstances haven't gotten better. Mm-hmm. You know, all that context that we dro- we dropped on the ten game losing streak, no power forwards, a team of twenty year olds. Uh, you know, it, and all that's there and actually has gotten worse. They lost another role player uh, <laughs> over the course of this and, and Jetty. Um, and they're still winning and the, and the kids are starting to figure it out. And that's just super, super encouraging. Uh, and it's the kind of thing that keeps buying in high. Man, it reminds me. I, have you ever heard the Wilbon hang tough segment? I, I, he was talking I to Frank. I don't think so. So he was talking to Frank Isola and Isola was, I think it was Kershaw. He was making a point about um, how uh, the, 
the guy was getting just no run support, right? Like, even if he got one or two runs, he would have got more wins. And Will Bond's answer was, well, you got to hang tough. If you're not getting rounds, run support, you need to throw a no-hitter every single game. And <laughs> it kind of feels like it, it was just such a bad comment. But it kind of feels like that in that these guys are just finding ways to win. Like, Darius Well, Garland hanging right tough now, is really important, actually, in this instance. Because, like, I mean, think about the morale of this team heading into the All-Star break if they went in on a 15-game losing streak which we both looked at our at each other you know via chat via pre-pod and goes that seems almost not likely but it's it's certainly very possible yeah it's within the realm of possibilities right so 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 to come out to to recover and i i don't know how they're gonna you know play these last two games monday and wednesday before the break but like just knowing that all is not lost hope remains high and maybe just maybe you get kevin love on the back side of this uh this break yeah, and I think some credit needs to go to the coaching staff overall, J.B. Bickerstaff and the rest of them, uh, for getting these guys to pull out of the tailspin without a bailout of a Larry Nance or a Kevin Love or a veteran that can help stabilize things. They basically had to figure it out for themselves. And you look at Darius Garland right now. Um, we, we, we talked about last season, the Jordan Clarkson trade kind of being a turning point. And, and I'm kind of looking at that stretch before the Denver game as that for this season where the team had a practice. They said, we're going to make an effort to shoot more threes. We're going to change up what we're doing offensively. I'm now kind of tracking that. as B- a Before you make your Garland point, can I throw in a quick joke? That's not a joke. Yes. Go for it. Has there ever been a team where you've noticed when they've gotten to practice more than this one in our, in our Cavs fandom? No. Because, oh, my God, when when it's been like a month without a practice, you could tell so clearly. And when they get one or two in, it's like, oh, that's our team. Those are Mm -hmm. our guys. Well, you know what? Like that is not not to go too macro and go away from my point here. But like that's part of why we have guys like Brad Rowland come on the podcast and, and talk about things. Uh, to to give us a better perspective because those are the things you don't notice like you just see okay what's this team's record should we win or lose against them and and you never factor in have they been missing guys have they had practice what what dynamics they just get embarrassed in their last game and now they're they're pissed off heading into this one exactly like Houston Rockets 10 game losing streak coming into uh Monday's game against the Cavs like I'm sure they're going to want to be ending that right like there's so much context that you miss and and that's why I really like having people on uh the podcast to to give us kind of a a more well-rounded view um but what getting back to my point about Garland uh so this five game stretch he is shooting 38 percent from the floor and 31 percent from three despite all of that the net rating is plus 13.9 with him on the court and the offense is plus 14.3. Like he is being more assertive and you can tell he's playing up tempo. The Cavs are playing up tempo. Um, he is f- finding ways to make an impact. Uh, he's being far more assertive than he's been in the past. And I, I think there's an understanding that you can't be passive in, if this team is going to have a good offense, you cannot be a passive member of this. We need you to be that dynamic playmaker because we do not have a veteran point guard that we can turn to when things are going rough. So to see him kind of make that shift, to bounce back after going 0 for 10 and finishing strong and clutch baskets, that's the kind of stuff we have been asking for for so long with Garland. I don't care about the shooting splits right now because I'm pretty confident that he can shoot. This is 100% what I wanted to see when it comes to Garland. 
Yeah, I mean, the playmaking has just jumped by leaps and bounds this season and a way that, like, I remember last season we watched him and said, oh, I think this guy's a better passer than we thought he was going to be, you mm-hmm. know? And it was like, uh, and, and and now it's, oh, this guy's a good passer. This guy's a good playmaker. This guy passes guys open. You know, you look at that net rating, plus 13.9 with him on the court since the, since the uh, since this new look team has kind of settled in. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a couple of things. One, he is the best at manipulating a pick and roll with the defense. I mean, of anyone on this team. I mean, he gets Jared Allen free points. Every time we we celebrate the Jared Allen trade, we should also celebrate the way Darius Garland is playing with him mm-hmm. because he gets him the ball at good angles for him to finish uh, easy buckets. He also is pretty much the only guard on the team, the only player on the team right now that is able to get into the paint and spray out to shooters. Yep. Uh, and you know, when you, when we talk about D- Dylan Windler's uh, growth, Darius, I, I have, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I suspect Darius is often the one feeding him or at least said it, making the pass that leads to his, mm-hmm. uh, his open threes as of late. So yeah, I've just been super pleased with him as a, as a, as a creator. Now, I don't know if that's enough for the fan base who, dreamt of superstar yeah and uh when until we see those percentages go up from him as a scorer and those true shooting percentages going up i think there will be people who are left wanting but Mm -hmm. you know what i really care about justin outscoring the other team (laughs) and right now the Cavs are better doing that with darius garland on the floor than without him and as a result i'm a happy camper no absolutely and uh I think that there's enough reason for optimism here. Shocking, shocking that this is coming to me. Um, who, but could have, who could have believed it? If you are holding on to Darius Garland stock right now, hang on to it, buy more. If you don't have some, go invest Hold in it. Hold the line! Because, yeah, diamond hands, baby. Um, what I'm telling you here is I think that there's a real opportunity after this all-star break for him to have that kind of a breakout that we've seen from Sexton. I think that there are trends that point towards that. Um, one thing that I'm keeping an eye on is for the season overall, when Jared Allen is on the court, Garland has a usage rate of 26%, which is the same as Colin Sexton for the season. Um, with uh, Since Jared Allen has taken over uh, as the starting center, Garland is averaging 13 potential assists per game. His assist favorite rate, stat. Yeah, absolutely. Like he is creating a lot of these opportunities and you can tell that playing a more pick and roll heavy uh, offense is l- causing him to be more assertive. Like th- that was one of the biggest questions, right? Is, is he willing to take enough of those shots? Is he willing to get his usage rate up? And the fact that it is up to 26% when Allen's on the court with him for the season it kind of shows you that, okay, maybe he's not someone that transcends a system, but he's someone that when he's playing the right system and the right type of offense that is tailored to his skill set, he can be a more dynamic and a more impactful player. And I, I think you're seeing with that change, with, with kind of the, the investment in Jared Allen now, um, it's opening him up. It, it's creating opportunities. And I, I just think once those shots start falling, um, it, 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 you could see a real spike in his numbers here. It feels like he's averaging so much more than six assists a game this season. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe Cavs fans may not like this comp, 
because it's a player who they like to denigrate, but like yeah. maybe he is a playmaker in that Steph Curry mold, you know, where he might not lead the lead. He might not get, you know, 10, 12, 14, 15, you know, I don't know if he's like a, a hardened kind of playmaker ever where he's going to be the, 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 the ball is going to be in his hands so much. And he's going to just be firing bullets, but I think he keeps the offense moving mm-hmm. uh, in a way that is really, really encouraging for an offense that gets pretty chuggy sometimes. I, I think that I hope that this team does get some extra time to practice over the all-star break and, and get more, more sets installed and get the offense uh, uncorked a little bit. I think we're seeing that uh, little by little, mm-hmm. um, you know, and boy, can we talk about Jared Allen? I know we've talked about him a lot, but he yeah. is just so damn impressive. <laughs> um, and the finishing man, like I thought, I, I don't know about you. I hadn't watched a, an enormous amount of Jared Allen prior yeah. to uh, him joining the team. I, when I, when I hear league leader in field goal percentage, my brain goes to Deandre Jordan, Mitchell Robinson. All I do is dunk. And if I can't dunk, I don't shoot. And thus my field goal percentage is good. Mm-hmm. And that has not been the experience. He's got good footwork. He's got good touch on his lefty and his righty uh, baby hooks. Mm-hmm. Um, he isn't a, a true post threat, uh, in the sense of, I mean, we, <laughs> there were some, some adventures against Joel Embiid, uh, in that, in that game where he tried to ISO him. That's not him, but when he gets a deep catch, he can finish and he can oh, yeah. put it up with touch and the, the three point shooting. I'm not super interested in, to be honest, like it's fun if he makes it and he's got nice, you know, it, it seems to splash through the net when he takes them. Mm-hmm. Um, I would rather him take more corner ones than, uh, you know, uh, left wing, right wings. Um, and, and mostly I've liked the attempts he's taken, which are typically late shot clock. Like we might, we're probably not yeah. getting something better than this L- uh, little pick and pop. Yeah. I, yeah. you know what, honestly, I I'm still a big fan of the pick and pop from the 45s, yeah. but, uh, like I'd rather see him do that than standing in the corner. Cause the, those corner three point yeah. shots is just kind of a spot up. Whereas the 45s are a little more pick and pop, which I think opens up that pick and roll game. I, I get it. I get it. But like, I don't ever want it to be option one or two on a play right now. Oh no, no. Um, and you know, so I'm, I'm fine with it as is. That's not what makes me excited, but I don't think that's the missing element in his game by any means. I think, uh, be, you know, continuing to grow as a playmaker is probably much more impactful ultimately. Cause I don't think even if he shoots for a game, I think it'll be Larry kind of, uh, a kind of gravity where it's like, ah, man, he made a couple the defense mm-hmm. still isn't going to change the way they're playing on the guards with yeah. them. Um, and his vertical spacing is so good uh, as a, as a diver that that's what really what I would focus on, but man, the touch and the footwork, I mean, there will be centers who, you know, I, I think in the playoffs and, you know, when things get more high stakes, the scout will be in on that drop step spin mm-hmm. that he likes to do. But as of now, like I just, it, it's so encouraging that he is so agile down there. He doesn't look like he's stumbling and bumbling around uh, when he gets a touch with an advantage. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think you're correct in pointing out when a field goal percentage is that high in the NBA, it means they're getting a lot of shots at the rim. But the encouraging thing is that he doesn't need a point guard like a, a Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan combo to get those shots at the rim. He does actually have the footwork to kind of work his way in, uh, take advantage of, of certain matchups. 
And the fact that he's able to hit free throws is huge as well. Because so good, so important. Because he, he gets mauled a lot. Dude, he gets absolutely killed. And maybe that's part of why uh, you feel like, oh man, I, I, you'd think that Garland would get more assists. Well, he's passing it to these guys that the defense is basically in a holy crap position uh, because they're getting the, these in close touches and they're just forced to foul, right? Um, but you look at it. So again, before that Denver game, the layoff at that point. So the last five games, Jared Allen is averaging 19.8 points, 13.8 rebounds and 2.6 blocks. Like that is ridiculous numbers. Those are franchise center numbers over that stretch. Garland's averaging basically 18 and eight, uh, eight assists a game. Sexton, 26 points, 3.6 assists. Um, like it is really, really encouraging to see how well these guys are playing together. And it just makes me more excited for what the second half of the season could mean. I mean, we predicted 20, or at least I predicted 27 wins going in. They are on pace for 27 and a half wins this season. It's going to be a little bit of a lighter schedule in the second half as well. Um, but I'm just really excited because I, I think the foundation is there for just a real feel good season. Like, I, you know, I think it's that's cool what it's going to be. You know what's cool is even though they are waiting on some important pieces to come back and this team will look different by, you know, the end of the year and past the trade deadline, I'm almost certain of it. You mm-hmm. know, I think that right, even if they if they're moving Andre Drummond, that's someone who is going to come back with quite a few pieces yeah. um, that they need to uh, kind of integrate. So things are going to be different. But you look at their two big names that we are not we have not seen as of late. Larry Nance, Kevin Love. You know what they do? They fit really, really well in almost any offense and almost uh, and and on Larry's uh, case specifically, almost any defense. Uh, they just help. They're helpful players. You know, I don't think that. I sure I think there will be some groaning among the fan base of, oh, they're feeding Kevin Love in the post. But like, I'm not super worried about that because I think he what he does is he fits with this core. Um, Larry Nance is an elite ball mover at the power forward position and an elite communicator on the defensive end. Uh, And I just think that things are going to get better. I don't think they take a lot off the table in terms of my viewing experience and this team's development. And that's what's really exciting. We're not waiting for, gosh, I can't think of any like, uh, you know, comparative player, but like we're not waiting for some gunner to get back who's going to eat, 40 possessions and fundamentally change the way the team plays waiting on two guys who are going to fit in like a glove yeah no absolutely and i'm just interested to see how they continue to progress like the fact that garland's willing to eat up more possessions is huge right like that's that makes a really big difference what did you think of jared allen uh defensively against joel allen because i i thought he did a, a pretty good job overall and that was something that i was really curious about going into that game because you're talking about from a team building standpoint do you need to have kind of a bigger body backup center in case jared allen gets in foul trouble or is he going to get pushed around and yeah maybe Embiid wasn't fully healthy um he is very much in the mix for MVP this year he's just a ridiculously talented player in every facet of the game um but I I thought he held his own and and it made me encouraged because again this is not Jared Allen's peak he is 22 years old so on so first of all I'll just answer the question which is I thought he did a really nice job Mm -hmm. uh then I will couch that question with saying, I think Joel Embiid saw a game that he thought he was going to win and yeah. decided to have some fun. Like he mm-hmm. was taking some 
high degree of difficulty post shots. And later in the game, he got a little more bully. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, there was that one possession where he just put Jared in the basket on a dunk. Now to the larger question, the, the root of the question, which is can the Cavs survive defensively against these post-up brutes, the Jokic's of the world, the Embiid's of the world with Allen, not worried one iota. He's still a kid, man. He's still got a kid's body. And mm-hmm. while I am sure there would be some biometric people who would tell me he doesn't have the frame to be a brute. There is the there is such a huge difference between kid strength and man strength. Yeah. And you know, it, I also saw that in Okoro guarding Simmons. There were a couple of possessions where Simmons just bulldozed Okoro. Now Okoro yeah. put up a good fight, but it was just clear Simmons was stronger. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really important point to note for Cavs fans because if you look at Okoro, yoked beyond belief just an absolute monster frame, still a kid. And, and, you know, Simmons is, has a few more years in the league and it showed he just could out physical him, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's, what's kind of encouraging to me is as these, as these, these kids become, you know, grown ass men, which I really don't think you really like, they say physical primes 26. That seems about right to me when you really start to see uh, these these players stop getting kind of overpowered Mm -hmm. Uh, and there are always exceptions, but you know, that that's what I think we'll see as Jared gets older. Uh, No kidding that a 20 year old got put in the basket by super physical centers in the past couple of years. Wait till he's 24, wait till he's 25. You know, I think we've seen string bean centers just get a lot of functional strength. Mm -hmm. JaVale, uh, while he got wrecked by Embiid a few times in this game, JaVale added functional strength over the course of his career, still a string bean, but he is functionally much stronger than he used to be. No, no like, who is the guy that made that change? Tyson Chandler. That's 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 the call out that I needed. I needed a good example, and thank you very much. Tyson Chandler used to be a string bean that got put under the basket, and then he became a brute mm-hmm. over time. Now he probably had a better frame than Jared does, but ultimately you don't Jared doesn't need to get, you know, he doesn't need to become an absolute monster physically. He needs to be able to hang because he's got the length and the hops to to you know compensate so he doesn't need to be stronger than the jaw and beats the world he needs to not be able to get bulldozed and i think that's going to come uh, as things move on so yes i thought he did a good job and yes i'm not worried in the long term even if Embiid definitely will you know get his numbers against a team like the Cavs. yeah and from a team building standpoint i think it still would be nice to kind of get a bigger body center just to have that well i'll tell you what, i actually had this thought if there was a game that would have been nice to have andre suited up for this would have been the one. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I want to shout out our buddy Laz because uh, the Drummond and Bede games were something. Well, yeah, that... I guess that's fair. And Bede wanted to I, destroy I... that man. But I just mean an extra big body. Because like, I, <laughs> There was a stretch where JaVale picked up 3,000 in one minute. I'm like, I think Dean Wade's going to have to guard Embiid for a stretch at some point in this game. <laughs> and, and honestly, like it might even be one of those situations where once love and Larry are back uh, playing love a little bit at, at center because he can handle those post-up matchups, right? Like that is not an area where he struggles defensively. That's, that's not one of his weak points. So um, I, I think that there are options uh, that you can go to certainly, um, but it was encouraging to see Allen kind of hold his own in that matchup. And I mean, it was an encouraging game overall. Like they won a game on the road. 
<laughs> against yeah. the damn Sixers. Like they had not won a road game, I think, since that Memphis game where uh, was just all centers. Like th- this was the first road game that they've won in a very long time with the guys that actually matter for this team's future. So super encouraging win. Do you feel like the game against Houston is one that they should be favored in? Because it feels like this is the first should win game that the Cavs have had in a long time. They've they've pulled off some upsets here in this three game winning streak. Um, I, obviously Houston was a part of that, but I, I do feel like the Cavs are just the better team right now than the Rockets. Yeah, I would say so. And it, it, you know, to that end, I'll be disappointed if they, if they don't come out and compete, you know, this is, these are, we're, we're chasing vibes before the break, man. Mm-hmm. And, you know, entering the break, feeling like the team is working towards something good, uh, as opposed to feeling like things are fundamentally broken and we just need Kevin Love and Larry Nance to come save us. Yeah. Very different vibes. And so I, I, I'm very, very hopeful. Can I talk about something big picture real quick yeah. that just caught, caught, caught me off guard? Mm-hmm. How many teams without checking in the NBA have a better than six point win differential this season? Oh God. Um, I guess. would guess, I think there's like three in the East and maybe six, nine. Let's see. One, two, Oh, I thought three. you had the answer. I didn't think three. you were even counting. Well, I was d- double checking. Three. <laughs> three teams are outscoring their opponents by six or more. Jeez. And it everyone else season, is in the fight. It is a weird season. Because I was looking at the Sixers because they're 22 and 12. They're only, their point differential is plus three. Mm-hmm. The Nets plus 4.4. 4. The Raptors plus 2.5, who, by the way, are fourth in the East at 17 and 17. Crazy. Um yeah, it's it's just a wild season. Like I, the Jazz are killing everyone, and that's pretty much the the Jazz are killing everyone. The Bucks are killing everyone, and that's pretty much it. Like every game in its own way is winnable, uh, at, at, and that I think bodes well as the schedule gets easier in the second half for the Cavs. Yeah, and there's so many teams that have had stretches like the Cavs are having right now, where they're missing a position. They were wiped out with COVID. They were wiped out with injuries, and I I think like that is the one big factor when I look at the second half of the season now that the schedule is released yes what we're talking about in terms of long-term planning still might be true but the results might not be there that like you right after the all-star break the Cavs play 10 games in 15 days guys are going to wear down they like Isaac Okoro is still going from a college schedule to nine months an off. abbreviated college schedule yeah to, to nine months off or, or longer however long he was off and then all of a sudden this crazy schedule uh you still have four guys starting uh, in all likelihood that are 22 or younger like it is going to be a very difficult stretch and i'm like i'm still worried about guys bodies like this is just i'm i'm sure no team is happy about this right now but it feeds into what dave DeFore said on our podcast which is you can't have takes about every single result because all of these takes are, or all these results are different. There's different contexts. Like uh, Miami is it one team with Jimmy Butler and Tyler Hero in the lineup. They haven't had that. Like Boston is one team when they're healthy, but Jason Tatum can't really breathe. Uh, he's still having issues because of COVID. Uh, they've been banged up. Marcus Smart's been out of the lineup. Like all of these teams are dealing with different sets of adversity. And I think that's why you see that there is no constant in today's NBA because this is just such a weird year. 
Yeah, you just got to kind of survive, you know. You got to well, you got to well, hang tough. You, you got to hang, hang tough. tough. Thank you. I, I already forgot the Wilbon line in in 20 minutes. Uh by the way, if you uh, if you are a new listener and we're hoping for an in-depth second half schedule breakdown. Sorry, we just forgot to do it. <laughs> not forgot to do it. I, who, who likes, I we're not schedule guys. Who likes you know, schedule pots. Yeah, there are people who there are schedule guys and there are not schedule and I'm like I I don't think we're capable of thinking that far into the future. Yeah, I, I mean we're we're not that kind of a podcast no, that in general. Like, that like, ain't it, us. it does it doesn't fit the format, but you know what? I, I am excited to see this Houston game. So we got the game against Houston and then hosting the Pacers to close out the season. Uh from a programming standpoint, we will be podcasting on Thursday night to wrap up the first half of the season. Cannot wait to see these next two results um and see what happens in those games because I mean we are back to longing for Cavs games, Carter. We are no longer in that slog of a stretch. Do you have anything else you want to add before we wrap this thing up? No, I just hope, uh, I hope the good vibes uh, persist. I hope even if they don't, you know, I, I don't know if anyone's expecting them to like win out or, you know, to heading no. into the break uh, Monday and Wednesday, or I think that's when the games are. Um, but I just hope that they, they compete. And we keep seeing this, uh, keep seeing stuff that's encouraging. Um, mm-hmm. And leave leave us wanting more heading into the break yeah and i'm still at a point where i'm more interested in what's going on in the game what the process is um because especially in today's nba when there's so many three-pointers like a good or bad three-point shooting night can just kind of dictate the result but not necessarily be an indicator of how you played um so i'm i'm still kind of focusing on that but it's nice when those individual performances and and those that individual growth leads to wins like it just feels better right and and it makes it an easier sell when you're you're telling people about what this young core could be so i'm excited to see it i'm excited uh to continue doing this man i i just i i love i love the season i'm kind of dreading the all-star break because i don't yeah, want to break i'm gonna miss it. it it's you know what even when things aren't going well it's just more fun when you have calves in the evening and it's more fun with all of our listeners as well you guys are just the absolute best thank you so much for your support uh remember subscribe to the Cavs youtube channel we will be going there eventually uh you can also leave us a rating leave us a review subscribe unsubscribe resubscribe and help cook those books if you want to be part of the chase downs exclusive discord chat you can send a screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com however you choose to support us we really do appreciate it make sure you guys are staying safe out there and until next time go Cavs.